You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Well, good morning, Redemption. Um, glad to be with you again this way, wherever you are uh, watching this service. And um, really, uh, this morning, I want us to, to focus on the topic of joy. Uh, Don earlier just read that passage in Philippians 4, 4 uh, to verse 13. And in that verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. And uh, sometimes you might be thinking, like, how? How am, I, how am I supposed to rejoice during this time? And... Um, I, I thought maybe I'd just do a little research, like during a pandemic, how is it that we're supposed to find joy at this time? What would the experts say? So here's some things that I found online. Um, as with everything, it seems like these days, experts say, right, uh, under everything you read. Uh, but here's some of the things they said uh, to find happiness, to find joy in this season. Make art. Uh, some said, double down on physical self-care, especially in the area of exercise. Someone else said, find the magic in everything. And once you find the magic, share it. Some say that we need to improve our sleep patterns if we're going to find joy. Uh, others recommended that we connect with others through technology. I know that many of you guys have been doing that. Uh, someone else said, experience nature, even if it's just through pictures. Someone else said, be thankful. That's a good word. That actually is in the word. So be thankful. That's a good, that's a good word. Um, start a new project. Uh, someone else said, plant seeds in the garden. Another person said in, in learning, uh, uh, sorry, in finding joy to learn a new skill. And then lastly, kids, if you're watching, uh, moms and dads, you would appreciate this one. Make your bed and declutter your space. Uh, that should bring you joy as well. And as you go through this list, it's like, it just reminded me of how futile the ways of the world are when it comes to finding joy. You go through that list, I mean, sure, there's some great ideas and, and uh, we, you know, you might, you might find some things there that you're like, you'll find, you'll find some joy temporarily. But all of those things, there is like a, there's such a temporary nature to all of them. And you know, eventually uh, doing that new project is going to get old and you're going to need something new. And it reminds us of the fact that, that our ultimate joy, our fullness of joy is found in God and God alone. Manser says this, believers are invited to take pleasure in every aspect of God's creation while not allowing pleasure in the creation to overshadow pleasure in the creator himself. In other words, God has given us so, um, so many amazing gifts and we should enjoy those gifts. But when we find more joy in the creation rather than the creator, then we lose our joy. And we're going to see this focus um, as we go through this text today that, that we need to find our joy in him and him alone. And staff, we're, again, we're continuing through these different uh, biographies and, and uh, there, we, came, uh, we came across a person by the name of uh, Adoniram Judson. And uh, Justin, Justin was a missionary in Burma for almost 40 years. And um, this, this guy, uh, he was back home on furlough. And it, there's a story told about him where a young boy was playing among the wars at the time of Judson's arrival. And he was struck by the man's appearance, by Judson's appearance. And he ran up the street to a minister to ask if he knew who this stranger was. And the minister hurried back with him, but became so absorbed in the conversation with Judson that he forgot all about the impatient youngster standing near him. Many years after that, the boy who could never get away from the influence of, many years later, uh, the boy who could never get away from the influence of that wonderful face became a famous preacher himself. And he wrote a memoir about that encounter with Judson. And he said that lighted countenance had changed his life. Even as flowers thrive when they bend to the light, so shining radiant faces come to those who constantly turn towards Christ. And that's the key for you and I. If we want to have that joy that we ought to have, we need to continually be turning towards Christ. 
And, and sometimes our, we lose a little bit of our focus. And so as a result, we lose our joy. And so as this morning, as we look at this text, I pray that we be reminded of where our joy lies. It's in Jesus Christ. It's in our God. And before we look at the text, let me just pray for us one more time. Lord God, we're so thankful uh, for this time together this morning. A, a chance to just stop and be still before you, God. A chance to worship you, God, in song. Uh, a chance to hear your word read. A chance to study your word. God, we are blessed with so much. And Lord, we, we pray this morning that as we study your word, God, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you change our hearts and minds, Lord, as we look to you? Lord, how many times do we lose our joy, Lord, because we lose our focus? And Lord, we, we, we want to obey that command that you gave through Paul, Lord, to rejoice always. And, and even he repeated it and again, he said, rejoice. Lord, we want to rejoice this day, even in the midst of maybe disappointments, even in the midst of discouragement. God, we know that our joy is in you. And so this morning, Lord, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you, would you make us more like you as a result of our time in the word? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lead us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Ruth chapter 2. Uh, so I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles if you haven't already done that. Uh, last week, we covered verses 1 through 13. This week, we're going to look at the end of the chapter, verses 14 to 23. And as we started the chapter, it started kind of on a down note. Uh, Naomi was, was still discouraged. We, we see this just in her posture towards Ruth. She's still discouraged. She's still focusing maybe on her bitterness of her life. But Ruth is like, we can't continue to do this the way we're doing it. And so she, she asked Naomi, can I go into the fields and, and just see if I can find favor with somewhere where, someone where I might be able to glean in the fields? And so Ruth... Uh, was given permission by Naomi. She wasn't told where to go. She wasn't told what to do. She just says, yeah, go. And so she goes. And, and the Lord was very much with her as she goes. We're told that, that she finds the field of Boaz, who in verse 1, we've been already introduced to this guy, that he's a, he's a man of valor. He's a, he's a man of wealth. He's a relative of theirs. And and she's led to this field. And when she gets there, she's allowed to glean. And then Boaz came on the scene. And as Boaz inquires as to who this new lady is, he finds out that this is Ruth, the one who's from Moab, the one who's come with Naomi. And he begins to pour out his favor upon her. He provides for her and he protects her. And this is where we find ourselves. She, he's, he's offered to provide water for her. He said, hey, you can stay close to those of my servants and continue to glean with them. And don't worry about going anywhere else. And uh, I'm going to protect you from harassment. And, Naomi, uh, and Ruth's response has just been like, wow. And, and, and he, she's so thankful for his grace towards her. And that's where we left off last week. And that's where we're going to pick up this week. And as we do, we're going to see three ways that joy is found in the journey. Uh, three ways that joy is found in our everyday living. The first way that we see joy is found is in experiencing God's abundant provision. It's found in experiencing God's abundant provision. Let me first read verses 14 to 18. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her and also pull out some of out from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an, eff an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw that what she had gleaned. She also brought it out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. 
we see Boaz richly providing for Ruth. First, we see that she was seated graciously. She was seated graciously. We were told she went, bent, went back to work, but now it's mealtime. It's mealtime. And, and Ruth, who, spoke, uh, who had spoke to, uh, to Boaz in verse 13, sorry, and Ruth is, is, is not with the workers. She's, she's not expecting to eat. She, um, she, when she left that morning, she probably had nothing with her. She's just going to work hard all day and, and hopefully she could get something to eat later on in the day. She isn't planning on taking a lunch break. But Boaz, who we already have seen as a benevolent and gracious man, he's sitting with his workers, which is already saying something about him. And he sees Ruth and he calls her over. He extends his grace and kindness towards her and says, come and sit with us. The food that was to be for him and his workers is now being offered to this Moabite woman. She likely, as I said, it already was, was, was standing back, but now she's called to come and sit beside them. And as he, as he says that, he says, Come and have some bread and dip a morsel of bread into the wine. Well, the bread was probably likely a little dry. And so this is how they would have eaten it. They would have taken a little bit of bread and, and dipped it in the wine. So it would have been more pleasant to eat. And we also see that there's some roasted grain for them to eat. And so Ruth accepts this invitation. She comes and she sits beside the reapers. This phrasing here is a bit unusual and it's only used one other time in the Old Testament where Abner is to sit with Saul in a place of honor. And so we see Ruth being placed into a place of honor. Hubbard says this, Ruth's position beside the reaper signaled her acceptance into Boaz's familia. Boaz had elevated her status above that of honored gleaner. She now belonged to his circle. An amazing rise in status, a gleaner and a foreign one at that, welcome among the reapers. It was an incredible act of compassion and kindness shown to Ruth by Boaz. A great reminder of the incredible compassion and kindness that has been shown to you and I. So unthinkable that, that you and I as Gentiles, that is non-Jewish people, could be welcomed into the family of God that even Jesus' disciples had a hard time fully comprehending God's compassion and grace. Gentiles could not be included into the family of God. They were unclean before God. However, this was not the heart of God. Jesus had come that men and women from every nation could be saved. Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, he summed it up this way in Ephesians 2, 12 and 13. I encourage you just to write these verses down and look them up for yourself later. But Ephesians 2, 12 and 13 says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Before Christ came, we were separated from him, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off and been brought near by the blood of Christ. Later on in verse 19, he says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. In the same way that Boaz took this Moabite woman and placed her in a place of honor, Jesus has made a way for you and I as foreigners and aliens to be welcomed in to the family of God. That's incredible news for you and I today. It's something you and I need to remember as the people of God. Well, he doesn't cease to show his grace. The next thing we see here with Ruth is that he served her generously. He served her generously. He passed to her the roasted grain. He himself did that. This owner, this rich person, he served the Moabite woman. He doesn't see that I'm a rich person, she's a poor person. I'm an Israelite, she is a Moabite. He doesn't see any of that. He just sees her need. And he himself offers her this grain. Again, in this culture, this was like, 
something very special. It was for, for him to do this for her was to elevate her status before everyone else. This kind of care was, was only reserved for special guests. In order, again, it reminds me of God's grace to us, in order for his love and care to be shown to us, he left his throne in heaven and came and lived on this earth. He took on flesh and experienced what you and I experienced and showed his love to mankind by becoming a servant. In the same way that Boaz is serving her, serving Ruth, Jesus came and served you and I. He was compassionate and loving and especially sought out those who the rest of society had rejected. And consider Jesus when he was on this earth in the woman at the well in Samaria. Uh, so was so the, the relationship with Jews and, and Samaritans was such that they wouldn't even see each other. If, if you were going from one location to another, you would avoid Samaria, but not Jesus. He goes through Samaria. Why? Because he wants to go and meet with this woman at the well. As he gets there, is, was this woman some kind of special woman? You know, she was like such a godly woman amongst the, the Samaritan people that, that that's why he went to her. No, this woman had had five husbands and now the, even the person that she was with was not her husband, but Jesus came to her because he wanted her to know that he was the Messiah. What kind of God do we have that seeks out the lowliest of low to let them know that he is the Messiah, that he, through him, she might find salvation. And because of Jesus going to this woman, that she went to the village and many others believed that Jesus was the Messiah as a result of that. Jesus came as a servant that he might save us and make us a part of his family. Boaz, being a man of God, serves this poor widow. But he doesn't see his status, he just sees the need. And he serves her not in frugality, but in generosity. See, see that she ate until she was satisfied. Even she had some left over after it was all said and done. As he serves her, he doesn't just give her a couple of grains of, of barley and say, oh, look, look, at, look at how great I am. I looked on this lowly foreigner and I gave her a few grains of rice. Like, I'm going to put that on my Instagram. I'm going I'm to put that on my Facebook and everyone's going to look at me and say, oh, look, look how great that person is. Not, that's not what Boaz is doing here. Instead, he is just looking at the need and then serving generously. Block says this, Boaz took an ordinary occasion and transformed it into a glorious demonstration of compassion, generosity, and acceptance. What a great word for you and I today. Through Jesus Christ, we can take the ordinary occasions of life and make them demonstrations of compassion, of generosity, and acceptance. Whether it be serving your neighbors through acts of kindness, or calling that person you know who, is hard, who has a hard time connecting with other people. A grocery run, a phone call, a Zoom meeting can be transformed into an opportunity to show the love of Christ to those around us. May that be our heart and mind. May we be generous like Christ was generous. May we be a servant like Christ was a servant. Well, the next thing that we see here is that Ruth, Ruth was supplied greatly. Ruth was supplied greatly. Not only was, was Boaz, Boaz showing compassion and generosity and kindness, he, he's also going to supply her need far beyond this meal. Verse 15, it says, When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. So she's getting up. Again, we've seen a lot about Ruth's work ethic in this chapter. She's getting up before everyone else. She's, she's eaten. Now it's time to go. She wants to get back to work. And as she's getting up, Boaz says in front of everyone, listen, I want you to allow her to even, even harvest or glean among the sheaves. This is above the law. In the law, it said that the gleaners could come behind after the work of the reapers. And now he's saying, I, I want to I allow this woman even to glean among the sheaves and do not reproach her. This other, this word means to don't shame her. Don't disgrace her. Don't, don't speak against her when you do this, when she does this. And then he goes beyond that. 
right? Like it just keeps getting better and better and better. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her, right? Like the picture here is now, now they, they're going through and they're cutting down the grain and, and, and the stalks. And he's saying, now take some of that and place it down and leave it for her to pick up, right? It, it, she doesn't even have to cut or pull the grain she's gleaning because they're doing it for her. I mean, this grace, this, this overabundant of kindness towards her. And again, he said, don't rebuke her in this. Uh, there, 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 there should be no scolding of her. And Boaz knew that this kindness to Ruth could result in people treating her poorly. They could resent Ruth for having, for having to show this kindness to her. Their jealousy, their racism, their envy could have easily resulted in Ruth being insulted and made to feel bad for what she was doing. And Boaz will have none of that. He expects his workers to show the same kindness to Ruth that he is showing towards her. Again, what a great reminder to you and I. As servants of God, God expects us to show the same kindness to the people around us as he shows to them. Even as Jesus taught in the New Testament, even our enemies, we are to love our enemies. We're to pray for our enemies. Why? Because God loves and prays for, or God, God lovingly supplies even to his enemies. So, she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. She's worked hard from sunrise, you got there right early in the morning, till the evening. And now, to finishing the harvest process, she beats out what she had gleaned. This is the picture here. Most likely, she used a carved stick or a wooden hammer to beat out the grain from the stalks. Usually this was done on a threshing floor, but we don't know. Did, was she given access to the threshing floor or, or did she do it somewhere else? But when she's done, she's got this aphah uh, of afa, sorry, of barley. You guys know an afa, right? Like, right? Well, no, we don't, no, none of us know that. So what much is this? Well, looking at uh, what different commentaries said, it could be a little bit over a five gallons or, or 22 liters, depending on uh, where you're from. But, but to give us an idea of how much of that was, anywhere between 30 and 50 pounds of, of barley she has here, right? And now she's got to lug this home. It would have been equivalent to about a half a month's wages in one day. Like this is the overabundance of provision that is being supplied here. And it says that she took it up, right? Like, I don't know how she carried it. I mean, it, um, she wasn't getting home as quickly as she came for sure, right? But she takes it up and she goes back to the city and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. Can you imagine her eyes when she got home? Like, like did you rob a bank? Like, <laughs> what? Like, how in the world, right? Like, how did this happen that you have so much? And when she gets there, she pulls out of this supply from her lunchtime. She pulls out what she had left over and she gives it to Naomi that she might eat. Incredible, right? Incredible. I, I was just thinking of like, maybe some of the things that went through Naomi's mind as she was sat there all that day. Is Ruth safe? Is, is, did she, I didn't even tell her where to go. Like, it, 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 did she find someone where she might find favor? She's been gone a long time. Like, I, I hope she's okay. And, and, and now she comes in the door and her eyes must have just like bulged open when she's seen how God had richly provided for them. The day was ending much different than it started. It was Ruth's joy to share with Naomi all the blessings that God had provided. A believer should be continually reminded that God is abundantly providing for us. However, if we're honest, sometimes we spend more thinking about more time thinking about what we don't have rather than what we do have. So this morning, stop and contemplate God's amazing provision for you. He's given you life. He is your creator. 
You have life today. You have breath today because he's given it to you. Consider the wealth that you have. You and I have so much more than anyone else in this world. Even, even if you're kind of, well, I, I don't know, what do I have? Think about what they had 100 years ago compared to what you have. I mean, we have so much wealth compared to so many of those around us. And then think about the amazing provision that God has given you in Christ Jesus. He's not only given us salvation in his Holy Spirit, but we have so much more, right? Like it's, it's again, it takes us back to this account of, of Ruth and Boaz. And at the beginning, it's like, she's like, wow, like you would let me, you know, continue to, to serve here and you're going to provide water. Like that's incredible. And then it's like more and more and more. And it's like, God has given us salvation and he's given us his spirit and he's given us his word. And then, and then like, if you go through the New Testament books over and over again, they're like, can, can I just start expanding your mind about the riches that are yours in Christ Jesus? Wiersbe put it like this. He has shared with us the riches of his mercy and love, the riches of his grace, the riches of his wisdom and knowledge, his riches in glory, and yes, his unsearchable riches. We undeserving foreigners are members of the family of God and have all of his inheritance at our disposal. Like what we have in Christ is just incredible. God has shown us his grace and we ought to be thankful. Sometimes, as I said earlier, sometimes we lose sight of that. Sometimes we get our focus on things that we ought not to get our focus on. I want to remind you this morning of God's abundance for provision for you. And no one or nothing can take it away from you. And so keep your focus on him today. And in doing so, your joy will be renewed. You'll be able to do what Philippians 4, 4 said, and you'll be able to rejoice always. Well, secondly, we see that joy is found in exalting God's awesome providence. We see that joy is found in exalting God's awesome providence. Verse 19, And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Naomi is no longer talking about bitterness. She is talking about blessing. She wants details. How in the world did this happen? She asks questions in rapid fire. Where did you glean? Where did you work? And before Ruth is even able to answer that question, she's pronouncing blessing on whoever this person is that's blessed Ruth in this way. Remember when Ruth left that morning, she said, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. Naomi could have never dreamed that Ruth would have received this kind of favor as she left that morning. And yet here she is with such an abundant provision. She bursts into blessing the man who is showing this favor to Ruth. Her words, Hubbard says this, her words were both a proclamation of best wishes for him and an exclamation of joyous gratitude for his generosity. She desires good for this man who has been so gracious in, 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 uh, in, in providing all that he has. And so Ruth responds. She told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, This man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. As I've been going through Ruth verse by verse, I love the way it's written. It, it's just, it's, it's continually drawing you in and saying like, what's happening next? Even as you look at this verse, it's like there's this repetition. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is like, is like, is, you know, it's like cue dramatic music, Boaz, right? The narrator has told us to be excited about it. Ruth probably doesn't even have a clue yet exactly about how significant this is, but the, the, it's written such a way that it's like, not only was this man incredibly generous to, 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 uh, to me, but the narrator wants us to know what we've known all along, that it's Boaz. 
that, 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 that now Naomi is going to start cluing into how significant these events were. Verse 20, And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Naomi says to Ruth, Listen, yeah, may he be blessed by the Lord. Again, she pronounces blessing, but now she includes by the Lord. Her, her attention is no longer on this man who did it, but her attention now is shifting to the Lord. She understands that this wasn't just kind of some random event. God has clearly been providential over all of these things. Ultimately, He is the one who has supplied the grain. It is His kindness that has done this. The word translated kindness is the word hased. It is such a full word that can mean kindness, mercy, steadfast, steadfast love, or loyalty. Naomi is recognizing that the Lord did not abandon her and that He has not forsaken her, but that He has remained faithful to her and is showing His steadfast love towards her. God is showing His steadfast love to her by God's Ruth's unexpected loyalty to her and Boaz's unexpected loyalty to Ruth. God in His providence has brought her home with Ruth and God has providentially led Ruth to the field in the morning and God had, remo- had removed the heart of Boaz to care for Ruth that day. God's hand is over all of this and, and, and Naomi is, is seeing it. The Lord has not forsaken the living or the dead. God has not forsaken Ruth or Naomi, nor... Elimelech and her two sons. What did she mean by that? Well, we see what she means when she says this. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. It was a big deal in this culture, in this society, for your name to die out, for your name not to be carried on, for there not to be an heir to carry on your name. And Naomi now, light bulbs are going off, wait a minute, Boaz is one of our redeemers. Maybe, maybe Elimelech's name will be able to be carried on through this man. Well, what is a redeemer? We're going we're gonna to be looking at this a lot over the next um, few weeks as we continue through the book of Ruth. So I just want to highlight in, in point form what, what a redeemer was. First, we see that this particular redeemer is a kinsman redeemer, a, a redeemer who was a relative. And as we look at the law, we see that there were several things that a close relative could redeem. First, a close relative could redeem a family member who had been sold into slavery. We see that in Leviticus 25. Also in Leviticus 25, we see that a close relative could redeem land which had been sold under economic hardship. And we'll see this land piece uh, come in into Ruth chapter 4 as well uh, in regards to the, the kinsman redeemer. But a close relative could also redeem, uh, the, also had the duty of avenging a murder and making sure that justice was served for a family. We see that in Numbers 35. And then the implications of what's being said here, this redeemer could also um, redeem the family name by a, a, a Leverite marriage. We see that in Deuteronomy 25. So there's all these things connected to, to the, the, the idea of a kinsman redeemer. And what Ruth is emphasizing here is maybe Maybe we'll no longer need to be walking in poverty. Maybe, by God's grace, an heir may yet be born. When Naomi had prayed for Ruth that the loving kindness of the Lord would be be with Ruth, she never could have dreamed that God would answer her prayers in this way. When she originally prayed it, she was like, May God's loving kindness be with you as you go find a husband in Moab. But that's not the way God was answering this. She was going to possibly yet have a grandson. She doesn't know exactly how it's all going to work, but but God does, and she sees that. God's redemption of us is no less incredible. The cost of our redemption was high. 
It cost Jesus his life. When you stop and consider, how, could, how can sinners who are unable to do any good, how could they ever be reconciled to God? Well, God had a plan through Jesus Christ that he willingly came and laid down his life and all who would put their trust in him are now redeemed. Jesus has redeemed us out of our slavery to sin, out of our hopelessness, and he has paid the debt that we owed. Well, what a remarkable day for Naomi. MacArthur says this, this turn of events marks the point where Naomi's human emptiness begins to be refilled by the Lord. Her night of earthly doubt has been broken by the dawning of new hope. When we stop and think about this, her her circumstances haven't changed a lot from the morning. There's still two widows who are trying to figure out how to care for themselves. She still has the loss of her husband and two sons. But Naomi has seen the hand of God at work. She knew that everything that day was not a coincidence. She had seen the faithfulness of the Lord over all the events of that day. And so she had hope for the future because she could see God working in their circumstances. She was reminded that God was taking care of his children. Maybe you're struggling right now. Maybe you're wondering, does God really care? And just like Naomi at the start of the day, you can't see what God is doing. I I pray that even this this morning, as you think about this text, that you would be encouraged, that you would see that, that God was faithful to Naomi and he will be faithful to you. Sometimes when we're having a difficulty seeing God at work in our present circumstances, sometimes it's important to just look back at God's faithfulness, to see and be reminded of God's past faithfulness. John Newton, in a hymn, he wrote this, His love in times past forbids me to think he'll leave me at last in trouble to sink. And can he have, ta- and can he have taught me to trust in his name and this far have brought me to put me to shame? In other words, there's no way that God would brought me this far only to bring me to shame. He has been faithful in the past and I know he'll be faithful in the future. I need to have faith today to continue to trust in him. And that's what I'm praying for you even this morning. If you're having trouble finding joy, if you're having uh, trouble finding God in these circumstances, I'm praying that God would give you eyes to see what he's doing. I'm praying that he would give you faith to renew your trust in him, knowing that you will praise him for all that he's doing even in these days. As the psalmist says in Psalm 33, 22, let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Well, the last way that we see joy is found is in, exalt, in exalting God's, or so wait, we've seen in this last point, joy is found in God's exalting awesome, awesome providence. And then lastly, we see this, joy is found in embracing God's affectionate protection. We see joy is found in, God, in embracing God's affectionate protection. Verse 21, And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. I mean, remember, up to this point, Naomi doesn't know if this is an ongoing thing. Was this like a one-time thing? Was this like, okay, amazing one-day thing, but you know, now tomorrow it's going to be off to a new field? No, He's, she, she wants her to know, listen, Boaz has told me I can continue to come back. That he, he's told me to stay close to, my, to the young men until we have, they have finished their harvest. Again, we're just seeing how remarkable how this whole situation is. It's interesting when you look back here, it says Ruth the Moabite. Again, he continues to, to pull this thread through. Remember, she's a Moabite. Remember, she's a Moabite. And, and as you think about the, the first audiences to listen to the, the, this uh, account writ, uh, after it was written would have been Israelite people. And Israelites and Moabites, they did not like one another. And so it's as if he's saying, remember all these incredible things are happening to this woman who is a Moabite. H- Hubbard says this, is it the, as if he's saying, how can a woman so Israelite in conduct not belong to Israel? Right? It's foreshadowing still what's to come. 
And so Ruth tells Naomi that she can continue to work with Boaz's workers until they have finished the entire harvest. The wording here is that she's to cleave to these young men. In other words, she's to stick close close to these men and and they will take care of her. And the harvest uh, was about two months long. There would have been the the barley harvest. Right after that, there would have been the the wheat harvest. And, And Boaz has said, you can stay with me until all of that is done. Well, the prospect of that makes things look really good for these guys. I mean, if things continue, they will not only have food for the next two months, they're going to have it long after that because of the generosity of Boaz. Well, we see in verse 22, And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. Naomi affirms, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. We're, we're reminded too in this how dangerous it would have been for a woman to go and do this on a daily basis without the protection of others. We've, we've seen that thread throughout, throughout all this in Boaz promising protection. And, and, and uh, Naomi recognizes this is important. What's really interesting here is that she says to stay close to Boaz's female workers. In verse 21, she had, uh, Ruth had said that, that Boaz was, was to, uh, said to stay close to the men, the, men, the, the, men, the workers who were men. But Ruth, or Naomi here says to the female workers. So what's going on with that? I, I was curious about that the entire time I was studying this text, and I couldn't find anyone who had even mentioned it until I came across uh, Hubbard. Hubbard actually mentioned it. He, he, he observed it as well. And, and he had an interesting take on it. And, and whether this is 100% true or not, we don't know. But I liked his take on it. He, he, he says here that, that maybe Naomi is thinking, wait a minute, don't stick too close to those men workers. Maybe some romance could have started with the workers if that happened. And that's not what we want to see happen here, is what Naomi may have been thinking. What we want to see is what God might be doing here with Boaz. So you just stick close to the ladies. There'll be protection with the ladies. You stick close to them. And, uh, and, and ultimately, that's what the whole point was. Stick close to this, these workers, and you will be protected from the assault that could have happened if she was by herself. And so God is protecting her through this, uh, through this provision given by Boaz. And then the narrator sums up the whole thing, uh, the, the, the next two months in one verse. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So she does just exactly what her mother-in-law told her. She sticks close to the young women of Boaz during that next two months. She gleans until it's all said and done. And then she continues to live with her mother-in-law. And again, I love the way this is being written because like, remember, one, she's being faithful to that promise that she had made to her mother-in-law that she would remain with her. But will she continue to remain with her mother-in-law or what's going to happen with this guy Boaz? Two months have gone by, still nothing has happened. And uh, I was wondering, even as I was reading these verses, I wondered if, 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 there, there, if Ruth might have been, sorry, Naomi might have been tempted to ask Ruth, hey, so did you see Boaz at the fields today? Like anything going on there? Uh, we don't know. But as we look at these verses, we're reminded of the protection that God supplied for these two, two women. Protection for food all through the April to mid-June. That's when the, uh, the harvest would have been happening. Um, and, and it made me think about the way that God protects us. We see Ruth and Naomi, they're, they're entrusting themselves to God's provision through Boaz. Day by day for two months, they walk in obedience to what God had provided. They didn't go beyond that. We don't see... Naomi trying to force the situation here. They're just walking in obedience day by day and waiting on God's timing as to see if there's going to be anything more happen with Boaz. And I was thinking that's a great reminder for you and I. There's great protection in us just taking one day at a time. 
not getting too far ahead of ourselves. How many of us are like, well, what's gonna happen a month from now? What's gonna happen two months from now? Just take one day at a time, trusting in God's provision for you today. Maybe, maybe you've had some ex- unexpected good news this last week and, and, and just let that be a reminder. God is faithful. He's gonna help us get through this time. And sometimes we, we get out of God's protection because we start trying to force something to happen. It may, who knows what would have happened if Naomi tried to play matchmaker any earlier than this. But she's just kind of waiting on God's timing. And in that, God protects his people. Sometimes you and I can be a lot like the little kid on his birthday, right? He wants to open his presents. So he wait, as soon as he wakes up, he's like, can I open my presents? And, and if your home was like my home, it's like, no, we're going to do that tonight when everybody's there. And we're going we're gonna to do it after, after the cake right? And, 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 and so they're like, okay. And they go away and they come back, what? Like 10 minutes later, like, okay, can we, can we do it now? And, and sometimes when there's something that we're waiting on with the Lord, we can be like that little kid. But we need to trust the Lord and, and enjoy the good things that God is doing right now and, and wait on His timing for what He's going to bring next. And there's great protection in that. And then there's great protection just in walking and faithfulness to the Lord. Consider the goodness that comes to your life as a result of being a child of God. Consider the community that God has surrounded you in. He, he surrounded you. When you're a believer, you're surrounded by people who, who have two things on their mind continually. How is it that we can love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength? And then secondly, how can we love our neighbors as ourselves? How can we show love to one another? That's a great community to be a part of. There's so many people who are not in situations like that. There's situations where, where, where they're, instead they're worried about people lying to them continually. They're worried about people hating them. They're worried about envy and jealousy and all those things. You and I, as a result of being a part of the family of God, we may have family like that. We may have friends who are like that, but we always can come back to the family of God. We, we, we always have that solace that we are protected by them. And then just consider what your life looks like because you're not continually pursuing worldliness, because you're not continually pursuing sin. You're not continually full of guilt in your life. You're not continually full of regrets in your life. I remember a period of time in my life where I was chasing after worldliness. I was chasing after pleasure and you'd go out and you go partying. And the next day you're just like, oh man, I, I, don't, I don't remember some of the things that happened. I don't, I don't know if there's going to be some consequences as a result of the things that happened. Like, like that continual stress, we've been freed of that when we walk in God's ways, when we walk in his righteousness. God is so good to protect his children. And so I want to just encourage you to be remembering God's affectionate protection for you, his child. He cares for you. Don't forget that today. Well, as we look at the whole chapter uh, of, of chapter two as a whole, it is so striking the change that happened in this chapter in just one day. Consider what happened in the life of Naomi. She, she woke up being bitter and, and, and by the end of the day, she's praising God. How did that happen? Well, it happened because Ruth left. She left in faith. She went and in and, and, and faith was used of God. And God used Ruth that day to turn Naomi's focus from bitterness to blessing, from complaining to praise, from despair to hope. And it's my prayer in these days where it may be difficult to find joy, that God would use us as his servants to impact others, to see their lives turn from bitterness to blessing, from complaining to praise, from despair <clears throat> to hope. It begins by you and I walking in joy each day, just as Judson did, by you and I keeping our eyes on the Lord and finding our joy in him. How incredible would that be that, that as we are starting to be able to see one another a little bit more, that God would use us 
That God would, would, would help us to have a countenance like Judson did. That when people see us, they're like, there's just something different about that person. And that they would inquire of us, what is that difference? And that we would be able to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the glorious gospel and what he's done for us. And that we would be able to be a blessing just as Ruth was to Naomi. Are you experiencing God's abundant provision? Remember the riches that are yours in Jesus Christ. Are you exalting God's awesome providence? Remember, God is always at work and he's at work today in your life. Praise him for all that he's doing and may God give you eyes to see what he's doing. And then lastly, embrace God's affectionate protection. There is no better place than to be than under the wings of God's protection. Just like we learned last week as we've seen that picture of God's protection. As you trust in him, walk in faithfulness to him and his ways and do not get ahead of him. Patiently wait upon him. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your amazing care for us for your amazing grace towards us. And God, we, as we stop and we just consider your abundant provision for us, God, you have physically given us such an abundance. Lord, spiritually, Lord, who are we that we should be called children of God? Who are we that we get to approach your throne each and every day and that you hear us? Who are we that, that we get to ask of you and, Lord, you give? Lord, who are we that you've given us your Holy Spirit? That, Lord, that, that, that you've rescued us out of our slavery. That, Lord, you've, you've, you've given a, a, a way for us to be reconciled to you. That, Lord, you, you have made a way that, that, that for the rest of our lives, Lord, we might, be, we, we might walk in your ways as we walk according to your Spirit. Lord, not only do we have riches in this life, but Lord, the, the riches to come are incredible as well. And they are eternal and no one or nothing can separate us from you. God, thank you for your rich provision. Thank you that you are always at work. And again, we're reminded of what it says in Romans 8.28, that Lord, you're using these things, even these times that we're encountering right now, Lord, for our good and for your glory. Lord, that we might be conformed into your image. Lord, we are so thankful for the work that you're doing. Help us to see it. Help us to celebrate it. Help us to worship you, God, knowing that you are at work. And then, Lord, help us to embrace your protection of us. Help us to see that your ways lead to life and that all other ways lead to death. And God, again, this morning, if there be someone who has never embraced your provision, never embraced your care, God, today, may they, they come before you and bow in repentance and receive the free gift of life, Lord, as they put their trust in you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time of reminder this morning. To you be the glory. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.